Welcome to the Humble ISD Advanced Learning Podcast, where our goal is to talk about anything and everything related to advanced learning in less time than it takes for you to get from home to school or work. I'm Dr. Tong Utigrit, the Director of Advanced Learning here in Humble ISD. Today, we're expanding into the world of college admissions and talking about the concept of test optional, test blind, and test flexible entry criteria for colleges. And joining me today for the conversation is Ms. Radha Patel, the lead counselor for Atascacita High School. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Now, look, to build some context, Ms. Patel's counseling team helps about 3,800 kids at Atascacita High School. So to start out, can you give us an idea of what are some of the biggest questions that you field related to college applications? I think to begin with, it's where do I begin? And so they want to know, how do I apply? Where do I go to to apply? Because there's so many different platforms. If you're going straight to the college website, they're wondering, do I need to apply here? Or do I need to go through a platform such as Apply Texas or Common App? And then, you know, how much time is it going to take for me to gather all of my material together? How, what do I need? Do I need my transcript? Do I need tests? scores? What do I need? How do I gather that? Who do I go to? So it's really just those beginning, how do I do college application? <laughs> so so let's let's talk about that a little bit, because uh, I'll tell you, like, I, I'm a first generation college kid. So uh, I remember I really didn't have too much guidance in terms of what do I need to do to to apply to colleges, <laughs> kind of the same things. Yes. Like, where do I even get started? My parents had no clue. Right. And so when you say, hey, that our kids really just need to get started. What what do they need to do in order to do that? So we like to, at AHS, start talking early. So I like to advise my students, start early. So start looking at what are you interested in? What colleges are you interested in? And then let's put those two together. Is the college that you're interested in also good for what you want to do? And then what do they look for and what are they requiring from you for that specific program that you want to be enrolled in or are interested in going to pursue. So starting early, really just going and, uh, you know, just dipping their feet into even Naviance and seeing search by area, look at where you want to go. Do you want to go to a big school, a small school, and then narrow down based on what your interests are. That also helps because that gives them an idea of what's out there because we may only know what we know. Um, now, I recently got to hear from the CEO of Common App at a conference I attended, and she mentioned that about 95% of the colleges and universities that currently use the Common App have now gone test optional when it comes to admission criteria. So can you give us an overview of what test optional actually means? Absolutely. So simply put, test optional is just like it says, it gives you the option to decide whether or not you want to submit your test scores. So most test optional schools will consider the ACT or SAT score that you submit, but it's not going to be the full, you know, complete, this is it. They're looking at other factors that they believe are strong predictors of a student's potential. So test optional became um, mainstream during COVID, but it's actually been around since the 1960s. Yeah, and that's really interesting because I think a lot of people that have gone to college, they're used to this idea of taking their SAT or ACT so that they can get into college. And to hear that, well, that might not necessarily be the case anymore, I think has some people confused or wondering why they would do that. So 
why would a school, why would a university choose to go test optional when it comes to their admissions process? So a lot of times when schools are test optionals, students opt to give more, um, a more full picture and more detailed information about themselves. They may be more detailed in those personal statements. They may um, include a lot more information about some extracurricular and um, leadership positions that they have held. And so that gives the college a better idea of what kind of student that they are. So it actually sometimes helps to, in, to have that test optional status for the school to know and be able to see a full, full round student. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because it, it goes to that philosophy of uh, kids and people are more than just a number. Right. So it right. gives that opportunity for this kid to to say, you know what, uh, this number doesn't define who I am, uh, but I've got other things that that uh, that help me stand out as well. Right. Absolutely. Uh, but one of the things that I think that was interesting that I heard from the CEO of Common App was that even though uh, test optional uh, is, is now in place and has gone really mainstream, they're still showing by their data on Common App that students that have high GPAs or those students that, that have uh, multiple extracurricular activities, uh, they're the ones that are also still submitting scores, even though it's optional. I mean, are you seeing this as well at, at a task at Tascosita High School? So yes. So when we have those students who are high achievers and you know they're having they have those high GPAs and a lot of extracurricular activities. They are also those students who want the colleges to see everything. And so by submitting those SAT or ACT scores, they want to make sure that they are being considered for everything that they could be considered for. For example, there's a lot of scholarships which will require students to submit their ACT or the SAT score. And then there are some scholarships who offer um, just scholarships based on what SAT, ACT score they have compared to what their GPA is. And so there's a lot more consideration that goes into submitting their scores that may not even be associated with the admission itself, but could be for athletic purposes. It could be for um, the honors college. It could be just strictly for um, scholarships. Well, and like you were saying, it's it's not just about getting in anymore, right? right? It's about how you're going to pay for it. Or I think something that people don't often realize, too, is just because you get into the university doesn't necessarily mean you get into the major or the college that you want. Absolutely. For example, um, College of Engineering. Most College of Engineering schools have um, a separate set of requirements. So you may get into, for example, Texas A&M University. But if you're applying to the College of Engineering at Texas A&M University, you also have to have specific courses. They may even require uh, another standard of Um, GPA. So the minimum GPA requirement for the university could be very different than the specific college that you're applying for. And so that's where those test scores come into play. And they kind of give an idea and a um, show of what kind of student that is. Another piece um, that I like to always mention is that ACT has a science portion. So if a student is trying to apply to a college of medicine or health science, then that science score is also taken into consideration. I was at an um, ACT conference, and that was one of the things that they were telling us and saying, you know, if you have a student who's wanting to go into the health sciences or sciences in general, the ACT is a better test to take because it has a science portion that tests their potential 
Yeah, and one of the the greatest resources that that I've come to find over the the, the past few few years has been uh, the National Center for Educational Statistics. For our listeners, I'll make sure I link it in the description. But it's a website where you can put in the university that you're interested in, and it will give you kind of the mean score of students that are admitted. So you know, hey, uh, if I if my student has a uh, 1300 on their SAT, where does that put them in relation to other students that have been admitted into the school? And so I think uh, that's a great website and resource that I'll link for our listeners. That way you can look up your own schools to see if that's uh, something that you would want to do. Now, you mentioned a little bit about um, scholarships uh, and a few other things there. Um, Can you kind of give us a little bit more in terms of uh, those scholarship opportunities that might be in place with some of these scores? Absolutely. So specifically, I looked up two of our in-state schools. So Texas Tech specifically has what they call their presidential scholarships, and they are awarded automatically. um, And their requirements are um, on a sliding scale. Um, So if you have a certain SAT score and a certain GPA, the higher your SAT score, the lower the requirement of your GPA, and they have a standard um, scholarship that they're able to offer you. Um, the same with Texas State. They, um, their scholarships are you know, from 24000 to 32000 and these are per year, and they're renewable as well. So you know, based on your SAT or your ACT score, and if for Texas State specifically, if you're in the top 25% of your class, that's an automatic scholarship that you're able to get. I mean, and that's money in your pocket. That's free <laughs> money. That is not something you have to pay back. And I and I rarely see where it's disadvantaging a student to take it. So by having those test scores, by taking the tests and submitting them, I do not see it disadvantaging the student. It is always benefiting the student. So a lot of times our you know our families and our students get scared, like it's not high enough and they're going to disqualify me. But take it. You never know where it could help you. So it's it's always a benefit, I feel. Well, and, and what are some of the other benefits that you're seeing from the counseling standpoint, especially as it comes to the testing? So um, another thing that we're seeing a lot this year is because a lot of the schools have now moved to test optional, a lot of students are not submitting um, their test scores. And so now they're being required to take the TSIA. So um, the TSI test, test is something that the the colleges are asking for because they want to see where they're at and what their likeliness of being successful in a college level course is going to be. And so if they don't have an SAT or an ACT score to go off of, they need some sort of standardized um, test score that they can take and say, okay, um, you look like you are at a point where you can be successful in this intro level English or this intro level math class. And not have to take a remedial course to get up to that point. And so, you know, being exempt from having to take those is always beneficial because you're paying for these remedial classes and you're not earning college credit because they're remedial classes before you can even take those entry-level classes. Yeah, and we've talked about TSIA a little bit on this podcast before as it relates to dual credit, right? We've, we've talked about kids needing to meet this criteria to take dual credit classes, but I think uh, you hit the nail on the head here where 
really, this is a statewide requirement for any student that is looking to go to college, right? So if they don't meet TSI criteria, whether that be through the TSI exam itself, uh, they got to show it on PSAT, NMSQT, or the SAT or ACT, right? Yes. So either way, any student that is looking at whether it's a two-year, four-year uh, college university, they're going to need to meet the criteria anyway. Yes. Now, some other policies that have come up are things like test blind and test flexible. Can you give us an overview of each of those? Absolutely. So test blind admissions is, again, exactly what it sounds like. Whether or not a student submits their SAT or ACT scores, they won't be considered as a part of the application evaluation. Um, a, a, a college or two that is test blind is the University of California, the entire system of University of California, so UCLA, all of those universities of California at the different, like Berkeley, um, they're all test blind. So they don't want to see scores at all. They don't want to see them at all. Um, the second type that we talked about was the text test flexible. So with test flexible, if you're not a good standardized test taker, but don't want to simply not submit the scores, um, they're test flexible schools, which means they will, um, they can, you can choose to submit any type of test score. So this could be something like SAT or ACT, but it could be your AP exam scores, it could be your IP diploma, um, IB diploma, or even an audition or a portfolio if you're looking to go to an, a liberal arts, something um, majoring in the arts. Examples of test flexible schools are NYU, Boston University. Oh, wow. um, so. I feel like text, test flexible allows students the the flexibility to submit whatever they feel like they've been strong in. And so we, we've talked a lot about uh, test optional. We said about yes. 95% of the schools that are using Common App are, have gone test uh, optional. What are some of the schools that uh, maybe Umbel ISD students that are, are applying to that are test optional? Um, actually, two-thirds of the U.S. schools, U.S. colleges and universities are now test optional. So we're looking at Texas A&M, we're looking at Lamar, Texas Tech, University of Houston. I would say most of the major colleges and universities in Texas are now test optional. Oh, wow. So, I mean, look, you, you've worked with a lot of students now uh, at Atascada High School, and you've helped them navigate a lot of these these different uh, pathways. Uh, what's one piece of advice that you'd like to give to parents or students uh, related to not just their high school, but as they plan for future post-high school opportunities? Absolutely. I started with this. I will end with this. Start early. Start researching. Start looking. Start touring. Um, with COVID, we've entered this new virtual space where if you're not able to physically go and visit colleges, they have virtual tours that they'll do. Um, and I know that there's some universities that will literally have a student who has a camera on his head and will walk around and give you a tour <laughs> of the school. So it's not just a video. There's a live person there giving you a virtual tour. That's what we're here for. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the biggest takeaways that we've continually tried to stress here is uh, take advantage of those personalized counseling sessions. Absolutely. Right? I mean, we know that they're, they're guaranteed one in the fall, one in the spring, twice a year. Uh, but really, it 
the, that should be a minimum for our students, right? Those are the guarantee times. Yes. But if a student wants to follow up with their counselor, they should be able to do that. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And we encourage that. Come ask us. That's one of the things at AHS, open door policy. If you have a question, come ask. Awesome. Well, look, uh, thanks for coming on today. As you can tell, look, we've got a great team here in Humble ISD that, that's helping our students navigate their entire educational careers, all the way from kindergarten, all the way through uh, not just 12th grade, but post-secondary success as well. Uh, we want to still continue to, to encourage our kids to take advantage of those meetings and, and use those resources to get their questions answered. But look, that's all the time we have here today with the Advanced Learning Podcast. You can follow us on social media on Twitter at UmbleISD underscore ADV. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe so you can be notified when we drop a new episode talking about anything and everything related to advanced learning. This is Dr. Tom Utigrant, and this has been the Umbalized D Advanced Learning Podcast, keeping you ahead of the learning curve in Umbalized D.